Broadcasting live from the Business Radio X studio in Atlanta, it's time for Senior Salute Radio. Senior Salute Radio is presented by the Elder and Disability Law Firm of Victoria L. Collier. Hi, I am your host, Victoria Collier. Welcome to Senior Salute Radio. Senior Salute Radio brings timely information to leading age boomers and seniors addressing the issues of aging, caregiving, and maintaining quality of life. And each show, we also salute the life of a senior. Today, we are going to be talking about the organization Second Wind Dreams, which is a nonprofit organization that has a mission to grant a dream to those living in elder care communities or in hospice care. And the senior we are saluting, I'm actually going to start the show with that instead of end the show uh, with saluting our senior because I want to really give attention to our senior today who actually has benefited from a second wind dream. And so who I am highlighting, her name is Betty Clanton, and she is now deceased, but I had the distinct pleasure of knowing her for over 10 years, all of which she lived in a nursing home and had the best attitude ever. And one could describe Betty in many, many ways, determined, compassionate, stylish, an advocate, outgoing, loving, funny, beautiful, but most of all, inspirational. Betty graduated from Campbell High School in 1962 and attended college at the Georgia State University. She was a homemaker and very proud mother of a Navy pilot. From a very young age, Betty dealt with the crippling effects of rheumatoid arthritis. Though this illness impacted her abilities in many ways, Betty refused to let it cripple her spirit or her love of life of others. Betty lived at Roswell Nursing and Rehab Center during the later years of her life. There, she was a friend to so many and always took the opportunity to listen to the stories and wishes of people who also lived at the nursing center. Betty served as a tireless advocate for all of the residents, from her role as the president of the resident council to creating the vision, design, and implementation of a, ca- a, county, a country store within the home that used its proceeds to benefit the residents. Now, let me talk about that store for a second. Betty was... Um, ultimately, the reason she went to a nursing facility is that beforehand she was completely independent. And while she had limitations physically, she was walking and she was independent. And she was getting on a, uh, a van that takes people with disabilities to certain places. And on that particular day, The van door apparently was not um, locked into place while it was open. A big gust of wind came and knocked into Betty and broke both of her femurs um, and other parts of her bones, her body. And that is ultimately what caused her to be immobile and in need of care from others on a continuous basis. And given that her 
son was in the Navy and a pilot, he was not able to be her caregiver. And so she moved to a skilled nursing facility and uh, Roswell Nursing and Rehab Center. And so, you know, as stated before, you know, she wouldn't let a disability cripple her spirit or anything else. So she got a motorized wheelchair and she would literally leave the facility and drive. I'm going to say drive because she really was driving her wheelchair down to the corner of the street and around where there was a convenience store. And she would buy all kinds of things and bring it back to the nursing facility and then provide snacks and things that other people could buy with their personal needs allowance um, or if they were on Medicaid or just, you know, their money um, otherwise and be able to bring the outside world in to the other residents who couldn't go out like Betty could. Um, and certainly that was only one example of, of how she inspired others. And Betty was not only well-loved by her friends at the nursing center, but was also a beloved and appreciated neighbor to all of the business owners and residents of Roswell Historic District, because she wouldn't just go to the uh, convenience store and buy things. She would go to all the other, you know, uh, restaurants and stores, and she was a patron of everything in the Roswell Historic District. She did not let many days pass without heading out in her stylish best to eat, shop, and socialize at those neighborhood businesses. And she was always dressed to the hill. In fact, I'm going to tell another story about um, her, her at the nursing home. Is She would uh, shop a lot. That was the th- one thing she loved to do was shop a lot and always look beautiful. And so she'd shop online. She had her own computer with the Internet. She would um, shop from QVC and, of course, the uh, shops in the Roswell Historic District. But once she got to a point where she didn't want anything or she couldn't wear it anymore because she either gained weight or she lost weight, she would hold garage sales inside the nursing home where she would have, you know, like the tables laid out in the hallway with her spread and people would come by and buy what they wanted and mostly it was the staff and family members of residents and um, that were buying stuff for themselves but also what was wonderful is that many residents didn't have money to buy things and what was not purchased by others they were donated to those residents who needed clothing and um, other miscellaneous items that Betty would have at her garage sale. And so, you know, she was giving in that way as well. And as if she wasn't busy enough, Betty also dedicated a great deal of time and energy in services to Second Wind Dreams organization. Betty was thrilled to see the fulfillment of dreams for so many others and was humbled by the fulfillment of her own dream, a brand new custom motorized wheelchair, uh, one that she could get around in even better. Um, And in true Betty fashion, she made sure her old chair was donated and she used her new chair to continue to do what she did best, spreading her joy to as many people as possible, both inside and outside of the nursing home where she lived for 10 years or so. And, you know, like I said, I had the wonderful fortune of getting to know Betty um, and getting to know many other people at the nursing home because of Betty. She was a master networker um, and 
when she passed away, because today is the day of social media, um, there were so many comments on Facebook, specifically through the Second Wind Dreams organization, um, talking about how wonderful that not just that Betty was, but how she impacted and inspired their lives on a personal basis. And she was able to partake and see the dreams fulfilled by so many others at the nursing home. And we are talking about the nonprofit organization Second Wind Dreams. The mission is to grant a dream to those living in elder care communities or in hospice care. Basically, in layman's term, that means shut-ins for people who live in assisted living facilities, nursing home facilities, and hospice care. And the dreams can be anything uh, from I want to go to an Atlanta Braves game to I haven't seen my sister in 30 years, I'd like to see my sister, um, to... Uh, the dreams that I'm familiar with, and I know this organization because it started in 1997 by founder Dr. P.K. Bevel, but um, I got involved in 2003 as a board member on the nonprofit, and it operates mostly from volunteers, and, um, and it has a board, of course. And so through my membership of being on the board, I was able to observe and witness so many incredible dreams, and the ones that stand in my mind are uh, dreams like this man. He used to be a semi-truck driver, and, you know, (laughs) he always wanted to drive 100 miles an hour on the highway. And, of course, semi-truck drivers, it certainly feels like sometimes they drive really fast around us, um, but they don't go 100 miles an hour. But that was always his dream. So when he was asked by the facility where he lived, what is your dream, then that's what he said. And Second Wind Dreams was able to coordinate with the police department uh, in Atlanta, I think it was on 285, in the police department, what they did is they blocked off a whole section of 285. And while they did not let him drive a semi at 100 miles an hour, they did drive the semi at 100 miles an hour with him in as a passenger. So um, while 100% of his dream was not made true, he was just delighted to be able to be back in the kind of rig that he uh, had driven and going at that rate of speed. That's one dream. Another dream was this lady who was a flight attendant way back in the day on a private flight airline. And um, they, uh, when the war ended, or actually PK could be better to tell this one. It is so cute. Uh, But she wanted to basically get back on the plane, and she stopped being a flight attendant because she got married, and then that's what you do when you get married is is you 
stop working or you certainly don't have a job that takes you away from the house um, as frequently as a flight attendant would. So she stopped working and she missed it and she missed it and she missed it. And so when she was older and she had the opportunity to say what her dream was, she wanted to go back on an airplane again and uh, serve as a flight attendant for a day or a moment. And so what Second Wind Dreams did is they arranged for her to be able to do that with the private airline. I believe it was um, the Hooters airline. Um, And so that's where, um, when I've got PK sitting right here with me, we'll be able to clarify that. But but she was able to be a, a flight attendant again and just had the best time uh, at it. And so that's what we're talking about is making the dreams come true for those people who live in senior communities um, or on hospice and um, be able to do that. Now, there's other things that uh, Second Wind Dreams does, and that's awareness for dementia and sensitivity training for dementia. And there's, in fact, called a virtual dementia tour that P.K. Bevel created. Now, there's lots of different, um, you know, versions of it out there now uh, based off of the uh, version that P.K. developed, and it is the original. And essentially, it provides your window into their world, meaning gives you a view of what it's like to be someone with dementia. And I'm just going to read off um, what this tour does. It says, learning to create a positive environment for those with dementia can only come from attempting to walk in their shoes. It was created by P.K. Bevel, a specialist in geriatrics, This valuable, easy-to-follow experiential kit is designed to instill hope in professional and family caregivers, providing them with a tool to move from sympathy to empathy and better understand the behaviors and needs of their loved ones and patients. Now, I'll tell you that before I became an elder care attorney, back in 1989, before I enlisted in the United States Air Force as well, I worked in a nursing home doing hands-on care for the people who needed 24-7 care. And I had virtually, in 1989, no training. This is the virtual dementia tour. I had virtually no training. <laughs> and, um, and, and we certainly didn't know necessarily what Alzheimer's was um, to the extent that we know now or even dementia, which is memory loss. And... Fast forward to 2003 when I was introduced to PK after I'd gotten on the board of Second Wind Dreams and I went through the virtual dementia tour and oh my goodness, I literally went home that night and I cried because what came to me, I'm about to cry now, what came to me was all the people I had worked with in that nursing home that I did not serve well because I had no sensitivity training. I had no idea what their world was like. And that was my experience. And I am certainly an advocate of this, but I'm not the best person who can talk about the virtual dementia tour. Welcome, PK. Thank you, Victoria. Absolutely. Tell us more about the virtual dementia tour 
and how you started that and why. Sure. First of all, I want to thank you for letting me come in today. It's uh, it's certainly Friday afternoon traffic in Atlanta. So <laughs> on a holiday weekend, on a holiday weekend, <laughs> awesome. So um, so I am going to take a deep breath, try to uh, relax, and again tell you how much I appreciate your letting me be here. Absolutely. I started serving geriatrics uh, in 1983, much ahead of you because I already had my master's degree. And one of the things that got me pretty quickly was the fact that I saw a lot of the difficulties people with dementia have as a result of the way the staff was treating them. So that a lot of the things that the staff was complaining about that the residents were doing was purely a function of how they were being interacted with. (laughs) That concerned me from the beginning, and as a psychologist, I began to do assessments not only of the dementia and the level of dementia and how that resulted in behavior and, and some of the care issues, I also was assessing how the staff was responding to that behavior. So, for example, can I throw sure, out an please example? please do. So, for example, when you walk up to somebody from behind and just start tugging their wheelchair to take them someplace, would somebody react calmly to that or would they be anxious about that? Well, that's an excellent example because that was happening a lot. They would become extremely agitated and frequently lash out, turn around, try to hit the person. And now we know from the way that the brain declines with this disease that the ability to see things to the left or the right, their peripheral vision, becomes so damaged that anything that approaches them that's without their line of sight, I kind of call it the Alzheimer's window, it's a Mm -hmm. small, small area, results in agitation and sometimes acting out. So that's an excellent example of the things I was seeing. And when someone acts out like that, then sometimes, and certainly more in the past than now, is the community, the facility would do what's called a 1013 discharge because they say they feel that they're at risk for being injured. Right. Um, And so, you know, send them to the hospital. Yeah, and it's a cascade of events. Um, So that's a good example. And if we can stick with that peripheral vision issue thing, it's something for your listeners to be aware of, that if if they have a loved one or someone with cognitive decline, that's one of the things to look for. You don't want to assist them with feeding or bathing or dressing from the left or the right. You want to do that straight on. Um, The way that the brain damages occurs is absolutely fascinating to me. I know that's not normal. But the brain itself, the muscle of the brain, is is so amazing. So if you if you consider that there's nothing that the person with dementia can do about the brain decline, then the onus becomes on the ours. caregiver. Exactly on the caregiver. So that that is what was causing giving me the impetus to say, okay, let me try to develop a great lecture that will help the staff. Well, let's face it. I can talk all day long. You can talk all day long. And then I moved from the, and I was seeing really no change. Um, Then I moved from that to kind of role-playing with the staff. Well, let's face it, that's situational. That's um, almost can become a little silly or stilted. And then I became very concerned that what are we going to do? So that's what prompted me to develop a way to help people walk in the shoes of someone with dementia. Granted, a brief period 
period of time, but now they can personalize the experience. And after the experience, you can say to a caregiver or a family member a very simple statement, what would have helped you while you were in the virtual dementia tour? Right. Right. And you mentioned, you know, as far as like feeding and things like that, you want to be in front of them and not approach from the side. But that also extends to even just communicating with them is being right in front of them instead of talking over their shoulder or something. And then the family thinks that they're maybe have more of a hearing loss than they actually do. It's just that they need to see you while they're hearing you as well. And that is such a good point because that was another thing that I saw happening with the interaction between the caregiver and the elder or the resident, and that is the less the resident was able to respond, the louder the caregiver got. (laughs) (laughs) And it was, whoa, whoa, wait, wait, wait. It's not. It has nothing to do with your tone of voice. Mm -hmm. It has everything to do with your presence and your ability to communicate at an eye level with them and your virtual dementia tour doesn't just focus on the dementia um, aspect of it one of the things that was the most difficult for me was that you focus also on the other issues that happen when we're just aging and that is our feet hurt Mm -hmm. and so for example I think I remember having to put corn kernels in my socks and then put my shoes back on and then walk across a a a dark room that way and I was like what am I doing that's (laughs) right yeah that's right and we've progressed a little bit past that Uh, thankfully um, I continue to research how the brain declines and how that results in behavior and one of the things that we've moved to is a type of shoe insert that has little for lack of a better word nubbins on it uh, that make it very uncomfortable one of the reasons I wanted to go for other aspects of the aging body was because rarely do we just have dementia Um, there's usually something else going on whether that's arthritis or um, you know any other kind of pain osteo uh, hip pain joint pain whatever Uh, so I wanted to replicate that pain level a little bit and by doing the feet that also replicates a little bit of peripheral neuropathy numbness needles Mm -hmm. in the feet like when you stand up when your feet Mm -hmm. have been asleep so uh, so while the what we call anticipatory response while we see a lot of hesitation in our uh, aging population's movements, frequently it is due to pain. And because people with dementia can't say, I'm not going to stand up because it really, really hurts, then we go to the, we jump to the conclusion, well, she just doesn't want to do that. She's stubborn. She's, just She's stubborn. Right. Uh, yeah. Well, and when your feet hurt, the rest of you hurt, exactly. let's just say. <laughs> exactly. You are listening to Senior Salute Radio, represented by the Elder and Disability Law Firm of Victoria L. Collier, and we are speaking with P.K. Bevel, the founder of Second Wind Dreams, a nonprofit that makes dreams come true. Now, this virtual dementia tour certainly helps bring awareness to staff and family members about um, what it's like to have dementia, and that is got to be, that has got to be helpful. However, your making dreams come true from what I've been able to observe, is really where the impact inside facilities happens. In that, I'm familiar with there is, or there is in some places, very high turnover of staff. But that doesn't happen at places that embrace the second wind dreams philosophy. So talk to me about that. No, I'd love to. Uh, 
I founded Second Wind Dreams in 97 uh, for a lot of the same reasons that I started the Virtual Dementia Tour out of a serious concern over the fact that just because you're aging doesn't mean you've dropped your hopes and dreams. And a dream doesn't have to be something like a trip around the world. A dream for our elders living in long-term care can be very simple, and it still is a dream to them because they can't do it anymore. So that's what lifts it to that level. And I did share already the dream of the man that wanted to drive 100 miles an hour in a big rig on the highway, Mm -hmm. as well as, although I botched this one, maybe you can clarify, the lady who wanted to be a steward. uh, Stewardess. Stewardess again. What airline allowed y'all to do that? Southwest. Okay, Southwest. I thought it was Hooters Airline. That's what I said. Hooters Air (laughs) did one, too. We've done it several times. So that's the one I was thinking was the Hooters Air. Yeah, Yeah, that's right. (laughs) So anyway. Yeah. um, So tell us... um, Why does that have such an impact on minimizing and lowering the turnover for staff? Well, because once they get invested in the past and the future of a person who's aging, all of a sudden they become a person rather than a diagnosis, a resident, or just someone who's living there. Another bed to turn. That's exactly right, and another census to fill. Um, Listeners, I want you to know that Victoria has been a part of a number of great dreams that we've made come true, and why don't you tell them about the one that you just did not even a year ago with us? That's true. I'm glad you reminded me of that. Um, So this past Veterans Day, um, around Veterans Day, it was around... uh, Pearl Harbor Day, maybe. Right. Uh, so there was a World War II veteran, and his only dream, and he lives in assisted living, his only dream was to put on his full uniform again and address some troops. And uh, so basically give them orders. And, so, <laughs> right. and he did. And he did. And so what we did is we contacted Kennesaw State, Kennesaw State University and Georgia Tech, their ROTC programs. And within a day, we were able to assemble some really good troops because of their involvement, which was wonderful. I think we had Dobbins. Um, and there we also too. had Dobbins mm-hmm. Air Base there. And um, so he got to put on his uniform and the troops actually did a formation and presented him with a flag, and he was able to impart his wisdom on them, to include dating advice, by the way. (laughs) I missed that part. And I tell you, this was during a conference um, for, what was that conference? Assisted Living. Assisted Mm -hmm. Living Conference, and there was not a dry eye. Mm -hmm. His wife was there, and it was just beautiful. It was amazing. Well, you did a fabulous job pulling that together on such short notice. Um, He is what we would consider to be what we call a sleeping dreamer. He has dementia. Uh, The way that that dream was discovered was simply to say to him, so if you could have the perfect day, what would that be? And his answer was to get up in the morning, put on my uniform, address my troops, and go to my desk. So how simple is that, if that's what you want? So uh, those with dementia still also are not considered to be, or are not by us, considered to be without dreams. Um, so often replicating the past for them is what we do. So if you ask somebody, do you, is there a dream you have? Is there something you'd like to do? Do you sometimes get, no, there's yeah. nothing? Yes, and, <laughs> and we get, well, I feel like I've kind of done it all. So our, our next statement is, then what would be the perfect day for you? Mm-hmm. See, then you can kind of get into, uh, well, I've always wanted to go to a spa or I've always wanted to go sit outside early in the morning and have breakfast. Um, mm-hmm. See, that becomes a dream because they can't, again, they can't do that. 
so and you reunite family members. Oh, yeah. In fact, we're going to be doing that on a week from tomorrow in Scottsdale, Arizona. We're reuniting a, a family that haven't seen each other in many years. And so speaking of Scottsdale, Arizona, Second Wind Dream started in Georgia. Correct. But it is international. Right. We're in 17 countries right now, and we average five dreams a day every day. Um, a week from today, like I said, will be the, the dream in Scottsdale for a 97-year-old. Um, also, a week from tomorrow are a group of elders who have dreamed of going on the high roller Ferris wheel that just opened in Las Vegas. And so they're all going to be going around around that. Uh, so that'll be over 20 dreamers. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I can't remember. Something is happening today also in New Orleans. Um, I don't remember that dream. Dream, but um, I founded it on the premise that everyone in the community wants to get involved with our elders. They just don't know how. So making the dreams accessible to the outside community, like you're a perfect example. All I had to do is pick up the phone and say, can you help us? And sure enough, you you pulled it together. And most people, if they know what the dream is, they'll go about the business of making it happen. And that's the beauty part of this. This isn't rocket science. This doesn't cost a fortune. It just takes a little time and effort and people are willing to do that that's been the journey for me if you could ever um, view our society especially negatively I would challenge you to come spend a couple of days at Second Wind Dreams corporate office and watch the miracles happen Mm -hmm. it's just incredible So in 2002, I donated the Virtual Dementia Tour to Second Wind Dreams to be an ongoing revenue producer. Um, Let's face it, not too many people are willing to shell out a couple of thousand dollars to uh, donate to our nonprofit because, after Mm -hmm. all, these people are old, Mm -hmm. right? That's Mm -hmm. the philosophy. It's not children. It's not looking young, being young, and acting young. Or or dogs. Yeah, I just – yeah. True. So so I felt like it was important for us to figure out a way to be ongoing um, generators of our own revenue. And y'all have just done an incredible job. I didn't know y'all were doing five dreams a A day. day. That's not how it was in 2002 when I was involved. However, you had great things going on then, too. In fact... Like Daryl Worley, yes. a country singer from Georgia who right. is big um, in the country world. He went on Wheel of Fortune and yes. donated. He, he was a winner and, and donated to Second Wind Dreams. He chose Second Wind Dreams as his cause. His charity. Mm-hmm. You're right, as his charity. So what, you know, what was the true motivation behind founding Second Wind Dreams? Um, I don't know. Well, I do know. Uh And I'll be very candid here. I think everyone has a life journey, and it's not until you get older that you realize the pieces that were happening in the journey to mold you to what you find your passion to be. Mm -hmm. And so I'll be the first to admit that I'm not the sharpest knife in the drawer, so it took me a while to figure out what the heck I was thinking about um, to, uh, to go into a journey, especially into nonprofit. I came from pretty much the corporate sector and therapeutic milieu into uh, uh, the nonprofit. I had, unfortunately, I had polio as a child. I had had the vaccines. I had everything, and I, I was that one half of 1% that caught it. So I was uh, paralyzed from my neck down and uh, had to relearn how to do just about everything. And um, I was viewed askance by my friends. Um, You know, any kid that's a little different than everybody else is is viewed askance. But yet I was exactly like they were. 
And um, I spent a lot of time trying to figure out how to fit in. Um, We also moved every two years. I have a military family also, and uh, we moved every two years. And so you have to redo again, um, reinvent yourself and try to fit in, do whatever each of those cultures needed. Always become somebody else. Absolutely. (laughs) Absolutely. Right? Why stick with what didn't work the last time (laughs) and force it this time? And so so obviously all of that kind of led me to being able to view uh, myself as someone who worked very hard to try to fit in. And the more I spent time with our elders, I realized that so much of what they do all day, every day is just trying to keep up and fit in. And when you find yourself in a situation where you don't have control over your body and you don't and yet you're still the same in your mind, that left an indelible mark on my personality. And so when I would go into nursing homes and I would see some of the decline and some of the difficulty and see people judging them for the way that they looked and acted and responded, um, that at some level cut me deeply. So it took, again, it took me a while to put all that together and mm-hmm. figure out what I was going to do about it. But the pragmatics of that was there's a part of a psychological evaluation called the incomplete sentences test. And one of the questions is, finish this sentence with the way you really feel. I wish. Well, I was getting answers like, I wish I could have a new bedspread. I wish I could go out to dinner. I wish I could go to the graveside of my wife. I wish I could. and all So of, instead of, yeah. I wish I had my eyesight, I wish I Mm-mm. could walk again, I wish rarely. I were dead, you know, it's rarely. It's the other things around them. Yeah. I wish I could go home was a common one. Yeah. And of course, to them, going home is a place that we'll never be able to achieve. So helping them adjust to their current environment by making their room look more like their room did at home is what then becomes the imperative. But, but what was happening in that was it was causing me to begin to think, rethink what their hopes and dreams are and then figuring out how I could make that public in a confidential way so that people would respond. We are listening to Senior Salute Radio presented by the Elder and Disability Law Firm of Victoria L. Collier. And we are speaking with P.K. Bevel, the founder of Second Wind Dreams, a nonprofit that makes the dreams come true for seniors or anyone who lives in a senior community a facility like assisted living, nursing homes, and hospice care. Now, P.K., you also wrote a novel called right. Second Wind. Tell mm-hmm. me about that. Yes. Uh, that was during my journey of trying to figure out how we could change the perception of aging. So I had met Neil Shulman on a speaking engagement that I was doing, and we uh, started talking about what would be a great novel, and I told him that, you know, if you want something that's hysterical, we need to write one about long-term care. And let's, let me just pause you for a second. Sure. So Neil Shulman, for our listeners, wrote Doc Hollywood. Correct. And so, you know, and that is hilarious. It is hilarious. Okay. Yeah. So. so we kind of joined together, and we talked about some of the true stories that happen in long-term care, everything from the resident who decides they don't like the food so they make an edible mural in the dining room and uh, to the other one that thinks that they're dealing drugs in the nursing home to the family member who really believes that the staff is withholding food from their family member Um, the the whole hysterical genre and um, then last year we shot a short so a film Yes, okay. a short film 
Um, and did it include any of the, on one of our shows, in fact, one of our um, most downloaded shows uh, from the internet was Sex and Seniors. Did it include anything that had to do with Sex and Seniors yes. in your novel? <laughs> yes, it did. Uh, and it's a true story. Yeah, of course yeah, they I are. Well, but this one, I came, came in, I got called, I got paged. This is back when they were pagers, and I got called in, and sure enough, uh, a family was ranting and raving in the lobby because one of the residents had raped her mother, and in fact, the resident didn't rape the mother. The mother was tickled pink that this was going on. They had been courting for a while, sure. and they called the police. They called everyone in to witness this horror that happened. And watching that woman and that man holding hands, trying to defend themselves for a relationship that they were having, was absolutely hysterical. Mm-hmm. And the poor daughter, I don't know that she's ever. She may be still in therapy <laughs> over this. I don't know. <laughs> well, when we can't change those around us, we do need to change ourselves. That's right. That's <laughs> right. So. So where do we hope to go with the short film or, um, you know, can yeah. we expect to see something on the big screen? Well, wouldn't that be great? It because be the great. story needs to be told that uh, we, even though they may be elderly and in a nursing home, they're still having a blast. There's still the pecking order like you had in high school. Uh, there's the you know, streakers and the jokers and the busybodies and everybody's in there. So the step right now is we just completed the script, the final script, and uh, it's been approved. So now it goes into the treatment phase, which means that we're putting the budget together and coming up with a way that people can be involved in, um, you know, contributing to get credits to help the film happen. Um, we, we can do a small budget film, but of course I would love to see it treated like it needs to be treated. Absolutely. And I, if I have any input whatsoever, I'd like to uh, put my pitch in for, um, Diane Keaton and Meryl Streep. Absolutely. (laughs) Absolutely. I would agree. (laughs) So, um, one of the things I do is I salute a senior every, um, show and we have saluted someone already today, someone that you know very mm. well, and that is Betty Clanton. Oh. And so I've already given my salute to Betty. And to close the show, I would like you to give your own salute to Betty Clinton. The two of us, for you listeners out there, we can't even hardly say the word Betty Clinton and look at each other without crying. Mm-hmm. So um, so would mm-hmm. you mind sharing a word about Betty Clinton? And then we'll dry our eyes, and then you can tell everybody how we can find Second Wind Dreams, how we can help, how we can donate. Sure. Okay. I, I, I'm very honored that you're allowing me to do this. Um, Betty was one of those residents that you walk into an elder care community. She's sitting right there in the lobby. She's dressed to the nines. Her hair is perfect. Her makeup is on. And she has had the toughest time and you would never, ever know it. Um, So Betty and I started our journey probably 12 years ago. Um, We made a dream come true for her and that turned into her being an advocate for us. And one of the things that was really important to her was for there to be transportation for the residents at this respective elder care community. Many of the residents hadn't been out in 10 years and uh, still have not been out. Um, There is no transportation. Betty took it upon herself to lobby on behalf of the residents to get the elder care community to donate a small room for her to open a country store. Um, 
That woman made sure that it was manned with volunteers every day. The country store was stocked with things that we would get from Sam's and the facility would get from Sam's and donations from the community that the staff could purchase or families could purchase. And that store raised some money. Second Wind raised some money and donated it to the elder care community. Um, the last conversation that I had with Betty, oh, Betty was a huge advocate. We also have a program at Second Wind called Gifts of Light, and that's our holiday program where we find out which elder care communities have residents who have no family and are wards of the state, and we donate everything they would ever want for Christmas, and our volunteers actually deliver the gifts either during Hanukkah or on Christmas Eve or Christmas Day. Last year we had over a 1,000 volunteers ministering to, you know, thousands of residents throughout the United States. This year we hope to grow that. Betty was a huge advocate of that as well. She made sure that the needs of the residents were taken care of. She was always making sure that the needs of everyone else was taken care of. (laughs) And one of the last conversations I had with her was over the phone. She had called me in the evening, and she was very upset because she was concerned about where the money was going for the van because still there was no van. And it will bother me for probably the rest of my my working days uh, until we can get a van for that elder care community. Um, it's hard because we live in a pretty opulent society when it comes right down to it, and and uh, we should be moved that there are people in long term care right now who can't even go out around the block and see the picnics or go to a downtown uh, fair. Uh, they can't even get out, and not because they don't have the capability no, no. because they don't have the logistical ability right yeah. right so betty's a champion um uh, she helped me get motorized wheelchairs for some of the residents because she knew what what that was like um i don't know how to describe to anyone who doesn't know betty except that if you can picture a precious beautiful woman in a wheelchair Again, dressed to the nines with angel wings on her back. Mm -hmm. That's Betty. That is Betty. And like you, I'll have something that will always bother me. And and there is no way to fix this in that the week she passed away, uh, in my firm, in the first five years of my firm, I went and I visited all of my nursing home residents on a quarterly basis. Betty being one of my very first clients. um, And years of going to visit her then I hired a social worker and she did many of my visits um you know after the first five years and the week she passed away I thought it's been a long time since I've gone to see Betty I'd like to go see her and it was too late and so if there's anything that our listeners can do is if you have that feeling go Mm -hmm. and if you don't have the feeling put it on your calendar so that you do it anyway Mm -hmm. that's (laughs) right you know plan it in because you don't ever get that second chance once it's too late so and this is the perfect weekend people go out visit a nursing home go say is there anyone here that i can visit with and betty would have loved that and she would be your best friend by the time you left that's the person she was absolutely so you made her dream come true with the wheelchair you're continuing to make dreams come true and how can people get in touch with second wind dreams when they 
they want to help? Well, what we would love today is if you would go, if you're on Facebook, to our Facebook page at Second Wind Dreams, features the Virtual Dementia Tour. Like us on Facebook, and we have a contest going out going on right now. All you have to do is vote for the best dream of the year. We have two candidates from an international uh, dream push, and we also have best volunteer of the year and elder care community of the year. If you could just take the time to give that a quick vote, it won't take you five minutes. It's really easy. That helps lift up the people who are making all of these things happen. Of course, we'd love it if you'd visit our website at secondwind.org. And um, we're on Twitter. We're on LinkedIn. We're just about everywhere we can be because the goal is to change the perception of aging one dream at a time. And can they find you if they also go to secondwinddreams.org? That'll automatically go. Direct you there? Yeah, right. Okay, great. And do you have a phone number they can call? We do, 678-624-0500. Great. VR529, for those of you who remember (laughs) that show. (laughs) Thank you so much for being here and sharing why Second Wind Dreams is so important and certainly the virtual dementia tour as well. The pleasure's mine. Thank you. You have been listening to Senior Salute, which airs live every Friday at 3 o'clock and is also available 24-7 online by visiting SeniorSalute.BusinessRadioX.com. You can also follow us on Twitter and like us on Facebook. I want to thank PK Bevel of Second Wind Dreams, and I would like to thank our listeners. We salute you. Mm-hmm.